Once again, to run through what we think will be the fates, fortunes, and results. That was really poor alliteration on my part. Ahead of season 2021, as 17 teams chase glory, and ahead of what will hopefully be another memorable campaign. Adam, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you? How are you, Scott? Hey, Scott. I'm good. How are you? And you're right, James. That was terrible alliteration from you there. FFR. Close enough. All right, if you're tuning in to us for the first time, we are the Brisbane Football Review. Three guys with far too much time on our hands, so like a lot of people, we decided to start a podcast about it, cover all things Southeast Queensland football-related, whether it's the Brisbane Raw, the NPL, the FQPL, or pretty much whatever football we can get out and see as well. So if you're tuning in for the first time, please don't judge me by that introduction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, look, uh, yeah, same big, big season ahead uh, here for for the uh, MPL women's. It's a very unique scenario. Seventeen teams at least to start the season, and then um, as you may or may not know, they will split into two come round eighteen. Scott, absolutely. It's it's um. There's two unique facets to this MPL women's season which you haven't seen before. Adam just mentioned that there will be a bit of re- there will be relegation for the first time. In the MPLW this year, obviously there's going to be a split at the halfway mark in the season, and also we've got the um, the first time a Kappa Women's Cup where there's cup football involved in the MPL as well. So that's two new things added to the MPL Women this year for 2021, which should make it an equally, if not more, exciting season than we had last year. Absolutely, and there were plenty of highlights last season. Uh, this is, of course, the NPL Women's uh, Preview Podcast. We will. You know, weave in a few references on the uh, Kappa Women's Super Cup, but this will be primarily focused on the league campaign. I suppose the first thing uh, we should probably do is run through a few plugs. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football. you find live coverage there of every Brisbane Raw senior match, A and W League, as well as select NPL matches that the two of you get out to and also a good time to plug our NPL Sunday special which features Scott and Adam working hard every weekend trying to recap the events that we've just seen on NPL TV right Scott? Yeah plenty of recapping the games not so much the alliteration which you started off with so that's okay listen out for that every Sunday night and one of these days we will get the weekend hosts outtakes no we will not be getting the weekend hosts outtakes (laughs) They have been incinerated. Lucky you. Okay, so before we get into discussing 2021, we probably should recap the year that was in 2020. And look, it's a season we'll never forget for many good reasons and a few not-so-good reasons. The COVID-19 interruptions that sent the league into shutdown for three and a half months, I think, in the end it was. was It felt like a, a lot longer than three and a half months, but it was good to have football back. Gold Coast United claimed the Premiership on the final day of the season with a convincing win over the FQQAS side. And then in the 
semi-finals. Logan sprung a huge upset down at Talabudra in what, thanks to a spectacular header from Meg McElligot, advancing to the NPL Grand Final under the leadership of Nick Croydon. And there, on Grand Final day, Lions, who had defeated Capalabar in the semi-final, made short work of it. Marielle Hecker opened the scoring, and it was pretty much party time there for the ladies from Richlands as they just absolutely destroyed Logan and reminded everyone that the Lions still roar. Isn't that right, Scott? They do. And the reason why we won't forget about that season last year, James, because it feel, feels like it finished about five minutes ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it was a very, very long year for everyone, including the players as well. But it was a, that was an unbelievable performance on grand final day from Lions. They absolutely, if anyone doubted they were the, weren't the benchmark side, they well and truly just made an absolute statement to that fact on on that Saturday afternoon at Parc de Paris. It was a tremendous performance, capping off a really good season. Yeah, that's it. Um, and, you know, it probably should also be mentioned, you know, by Lions standards, that regular season was an utter disaster, and it's a miracle they didn't clean everyone out after finishing second on the ladder. Yeah, um, look, it's, it was really, at the end of the day, it, for, for a while there, the season was that you had, you know, Gold, Gold Coast United and Lions, who were pretty much head and shoulders above the rest, but you always had that thought that, you know, Logan and Kapalabar, you know, who had had wins, had some key wins, were going, going to sort of, um, sort of strike, but uh, yeah, despite Logan's upset in the semi-final, Lions did sort of stand up when it mattered, and they, and they, they were clinical on grand final day, Chelsea Bliss two goals we wish her well um she's still she's still sort of uh, rehabbing after doing her knee um in training for melbourne city for the w league season so um yeah it's uh but yeah but also as well uh, congratulations as we said on the uh, on the men's mpl preview show congratulations to football queensland and the players and volunteers everyone for actually getting through the season i think that's probably the most important outtake from 2020 all right so Adam, uh, your connection just dropped out there. We are recording this over Skype, but the good news is I'll assume that you said something unbelievably intelligent and witty. Scott? Maybe. Yeah, so we talk about the actual season ahead with the, MP- the MPL women. We just talk about some of the players who've progressed from the MPL Queensland over the summer into the W. We talk about Winnie Heatley and Marielle Hecker have done unbelievably well for Brisbane Roar in that competition. We know that Harriet Withers is down there at Melbourne City from South United getting plenty of game time for Melbourne City, as I mentioned, defending champions. You've got Keely Richards in goal for Canberra United. So it's great to see some players who were performing in the MPL Queensland so well last year, getting their chance at the W League level and taking it. And they're not the only ones, by the way. There's a few others around, but there's, it's great to see some players from that competition really stepping up into the W League as well. Absolutely. And it should also... We spoke about this quite a lot uh, last season as we were going through with the departure of several big Matildas stars over to the uh, major clubs in Europe, it does open up the NPL competition as an opportunity to give a lot of these players a chance to progress and earn professional contracts. Obviously, Mariel Hecker is going to be the prime example of that, who has progressed from Lions through to a regular starting role for the Raw, and I think she's going to be very popular. All right, so uh, we're going to do this show in two parts, the first of which is going to be us running through all 17 teams in varying levels of detail based on the information that is available to us on Wednesday the 3rd of March uh, before anyone gets mad at us for not mentioning a signing that gets announced on the 5th of March Uh, yeah we're going to run through every club based on the well we're going to start off with last season's teams on the uh, previous year's ladder position and then run through the clubs joining the competition for 2021 
And then we're going to go into our interviews. And uh, we've had been lucky enough to speak to some key figures from some of these clubs. And yeah, that'll be part two of the show. And that'll be followed by our predictions, which I'm sure will not get us barred from any of these uh, fo- uh, any of these NPL venues at all. Right, Scott? Absolutely. As long as you manage to fit all 17 teams into the top half of the table, you'll be fine, James. It's going to be a premiership that splits 17 different ways. I'm sure of it. <laughs> All right, so let's start off. Last season's premiers, Gold Coast United. Alex Bundelow is back. They've retained the core of what was a very, very strong team. The likes of D. Thompson, Ellie Fryer, Bella Habuda, Aisha Nori, Zoe Corbett, and Cassafina all coming back for season 2021. And to be honest, and actually another name that I've seen as well, I'm fairly certain, is Charlie Farmer, the young, phenomenal midfielder as well. To be totally honest, like I don't see why this is going to be anything other than Gold Coast's uh, top two spot to lose because they were really good last year and they did that without the likes of Thompson uh, for a large part of the season when she was stuck on the wrong side of the tweet, Adam. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing that you know that yeah, Gold Coast season they had a lot of difficulties. The first, it was almost like the first half of the season was dominated by their um, the sensational Japanese uh, defender Momo Hayashi, who was just absolutely on fire. And then she she did her ACL, um, and then and then for the second half of the season it was, it was more about you know uh, Dion Thompson and. Bella Habuda, who were really sort of, you know, in attacks sort of, you know, to stabilise and got Gold Coast to the uh, to the Premiership. And, look, I don't think much is going to change. Um, I think they've still got the core of, you know, of, a, of probably one of the better teams in the MPL Women's. And, yeah, I would expect that, you know, they'll be aiming for, you know, if not to defend their crown, be, you know, at least in the top couple. Absolutely, and you'll hear from Alex Bundelow shortly, but one of the things that they're really excited about down there on the Gold Coast is the fact that they have retained the overwhelming majority of their, champ- their premiership winning squad. It's it's quite remarkable that they've been able to do that down there. It was an unbelievable achievement. The first time that Gold Coast, have, Gold Coast United have won a trophy in the MPL era, and it was tremendous football that they played down there, James. I know you had the privilege of calling a fair share of their games over the back end of the season, and it was absolutely fantastic when they got into full flow in the front third, and I'm pretty sure Momo Hayashi's not going to start the year. I would be so Gold if she Coast. Did. I think this still is going to be a ways away. But when Momo Hayashi returns to that Gold Coast United side, look out because she is one of the absolute stars of this competition, without doubt. Uh, just doing some quick maths in my head, which would explain the strange facial expressions <laughs> that Adam's just reacting to. That I think she injured herself in about September, late September, give or take. So just doing the... Yeah, about then. So I think Alex Bundelow, from memory, was looking at about a third of the way through the year. She should be back, ready to go. So yeah. it might not be at the start of the year, but when when Momo returns to that side, look out. Absolutely. And, you know, can ping a pass around with the best of them and not afraid to shoot from range as well. Um, look, I, I, I can't run through the entire Gold Coast squad because, well, for starters, we don't actually know exactly who's going to be uh, making up the rest of it, but... Yeah, that's really all you can say. And the the only other point I will make before we move on is I guarantee that semi-final defeat is going to really spur them on this year as well, where it did kind of have that feel last year of winning the premiership was, you know, the major achievement for them and the finals were just a bonus. This year, they've got to be going for the double. It was clearly burning when I asked that question. <laughs> it was, it was um, something they definitely have thrilled about what they achieved, but... They want, they want to go further. Yeah, definitely. And that is the sort of progression 
you would expect as well, where you've won one, now you want more. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, and they and other than you know, a catastrophic injury toll, I can't see any reason why that won't happen. Definitely. Okay, let's move on. Grand final winners, Lions. As I said, last year by their incredibly lofty standards was a major disappointment, but that such is the bar that it, uh, that it is at Richlands, where, you know, they went out and then decided to just go and sign who I feel is the best striker in NPL, in that NPL women's competition in Shay Connors, and I'm setting the over-under at her goals this season at 30, because joining that side, she is just going to have so many chances, and like uh, speaking to Rob Askew a couple of times, well, he's been a big admirer of her since she came to NPL here in Queensland, and he's got his player now, and, well, Lions, they're going to be really tough to beat week in, week out. Yeah, um, the they said I, I think it's the complete opposite with um, with with Gold Coast. Um, they're missing the grand, grand final. I think missing out on the premiership really would have stung Lions as well. And you now, uh, even though they we don't we don't know the status of uh, Mariel Hecker, even though it seems like she's been on a lot of the promotional stuff for Lions, so we don't know once the the W League season finish whether she will after a break rejoin the side. But but assuming that she that she does have a bit of a break. Uh, or she doesn't return to Lions. You know, Shay Connors is a massive um, sort of, you know, signing to, to cover that. And as well, Tegan Thompson from Kapalabar as well, the uh, sister of um, of Andy Thompson of the uh, Lions men's team. Um, I think they're, they're two great inclusions. And look, I think this race, it's going to be a drag race between Gold Coast United and Lions on who, um, who could be the premiers. And it could come down to their home and away fixtures. Who gets the better of that? will be crown premiers firstly James stop getting yourself in trouble with Lions that's twice you've called them a disappointment in this podcast I, we're about 10 minutes in I did not so call be very very careful with what you say from now on but <laughs> I do think the addition of Shea Connors is even if Mariela Ecker doesn't return to this side a front third of Shea Connors Tegan Riding and Amy Gunston that's about as good as you're going to find anywhere in the MPL across the country I would imagine in terms of quality in the front third and goals school I'm not going to put a number on how many that Shay Connors will score after her move from Logan to Lions because you never know that front three they could all score 30 plus if it, if it goes their way over the course of the year the other sign that Adam mentioned Adam mentioned Tegan Thompson the other sign they haven't announced this week is Danny Ward oh, yes. the, the young defender who was with the Raw for a brief period of time that should really shore things up if Winnie Heatley doesn't return to Lions over the after the W League season so they are really well placed the players that have lost they lost Jess Dillon to Morton Bay, who she was injured last year, so they didn't have her for the majority of the season anyway. They also lost Samara Christmas, but they're still that's still an unbelievable squad there that they've assembled at Richlands, and you'd have to say they're one of, if not the top two or three teams that you look at in terms of Premiership favouritism. Just looking at numbers from Lions last year, 83 goals scored in 20 season matches. So that's the sort of pace that you're going to be looking at them matching this season and I don't see why they won't be able to considering the you can't pinpoint one of the three either they can score any of them can score goals and they've got goals in midfield if you shut down the front three as well definitely um, the one point I will make as well uh, young Izzy Shuttleworth the goalkeeper as well I would love to know what sort of confidence she took from the um, Kappa Festival of Football matches that she played for the Queensland All-Stars especially coming up big in the shootout against New South Wales New South Wales. I know it was an end of season 
uh, friendly for all intents and purposes. But you you guys were there. It was really like the tension was real at the end of that match, wasn't it, Adam? Yeah, look, um, that, that that was sort of the, the explanation point on a great season for for Izzy Shuttleworth. Like she started the the season sort of you know slowly um, and sort of made a number of mistakes. But as the season went on, when she finally won the number one one goalkeeping spot, she, her form just was you know just went on an upward trajectory the whole way, and it sort of was capped off by that that stellar performance at the um, state first state match so look I'm very very excited to see what she does in, in 2021 because it's nothing but improvement you'll think from her you know going forward it has to James postseason friendly exhibition game or not there was pressure on those penalties there's no doubt about it the expectation was there for Isabel Schollerworth to make a couple of saves be the hero and win the game for Queensland that's what she did and there's, you, you can't not gain confidence from a moment like that yep definitely alright that's Lions and Gold Coast, two teams that raised trophies last season. Let's move on to Capalabar, who reports that their demise may have been somewhat exaggerated, or at the very least premature, because I think we all were kind of expecting a little bit of an overhaul with the departure of Sky Hannafin and um, possibly maybe a slight budget change at Capalabar, but the players that they've been able to bring back, this side is definitely going to be in contention once again in 2021, and yeah, they brought in Archie Cajondo from uh, Ipswich City Bulls, who's enjoyed a fairly, success- fairly successful stint there. And he's brought in a few uh, pr- pretty impressive uh, players with some fairly impressive resumes as well. Alicia Foote, Gabrielle Francisco, Brooke Spence, and Leah Miles as well. So, Scott, what are you looking for from uh, Palabar? I certainly agree with you that the demise of Capalabar has been very much exaggerated. I actually think they're they're the dark horse in the race for the for the premiership. If you're right, from telling you the truth, because you're right, the coach Archie Cajondo has got a, got some success under his belt in the BWPL, and the playing group has got it's probably one of the most ex, I think it's probably the most experienced yeah. group in the NPL. You talk about the players that they brought in Alicia Foot, Brooks, Spence, tremendous experience there, but you've also got Amy Chapman and Stephanie Latham amongst others who've been involved in the W League previously, involved in the NPL Women's for a very long time, and I think they're a serious dark horse. They've got quality across the field, and I think that, yes, they've lost a couple of players with Ski Hannafin leaving to Brisbane City and a couple of players going as well, but they've still got an unbelievable squad, and they were pretty close last year in terms of challenging for things, so I'm, I certainly wouldn't be expecting them to fall very far at all if not rise up the table a little bit. Yeah, look, any team that has, you know, Brooke Spence and Amy Chapman, um, who are just you know, incredibly experienced players and then will be invaluable at this level. But, you know, then you've got players like uh, Stephanie Latham and uh, Alicia Foote. They, look, they're, they're going to be part of that, that, um, that top group, that top echelon of clubs, just based on that alone. And, and sort of, we sort of don't... And as well, it was a very handy team beyond those players last season that um, that they've retained. So look, Kapalabar definitely. Um, the, I think a lot of people thought, you know, with, with Sky Hannafin going, that maybe that you know it might go on a free fall, similar to what happened at when he left Morton Bay the previous year. But that's certainly not. This won't be the case for Kapalabar. They are certainly going to be in this. On their day, I think they are more than capable of beating any team in this competition, Lions and Gold Coast United included. We saw them give uh, Lions uh, a really good run for their money back in March before the shutdown and then actually beat them 
on a Thursday night where I think they had to play three matches in seven days mm. and had back-to-back wins over what turned out to be two finals teams in Lions and Logan. I think they're going to love that uh, underdog status. And as long as the fi- their fixture list doesn't get too congested due to weather or something, I think they're going to be quite good. I do question whether or not they've got the depth to really sustain a challenge because that was that I feel was one issue they did have last year was n- not enough players to really fill the gaps there. But... Overall, if they can keep that starting 11 and a few bench players in quite good form, they're going to be certainly in the mix once again. All right. Uh, Final thoughts, Scott? No, I think they're an incredible team. And I I still think that they... You mentioned that consistency might have hurt them last year. I think with the experience they've got, and they've got players there who have won things in the past, I wouldn't be discounting them at all from, from winning something this year. They're certainly going to be a real threat. Definitely. All right. Last season's grand finalist, Logan Lightning. They've retained a few players, but to be honest, it's a it's a departure list that is going to cause plenty of uh, cause for concern down at Cornubia Park. So the players that have left, Keely Richards, Talia Reynolds, Meg McGilligot, April Gleason, Emily Dunn, Lawrence Bredborough, and Shay Connors. Those are just the names that uh, we're aware of at the moment. But that's seven players who played, from memory, pretty hefty minutes including the likes of Keely Richards, who I think won Goalkeeper of the Year last year, and then your two primary goal scorers in McElligot and Connors, plus your defensive rock in Spreadborough. So that's a whole, that's a big task ahead of Nick Croydon. And he has admittedly gone gone about things and tried to uh, bring in Brittany Lasek, who actually was playing for the Raw in that festival of football as a trialist uh, against the NPL All-Stars. Uh, she's got a fantastic goal-scoring record at Coomera, so that should offset the departure of some of those other players. But overall, how much of those departures concerning you, Adam? Well, it's a lot. It, it it's interesting because I do think that having that over that overpowered um, this sort of front line with Meg McGilligan, with Shay Connors, and with Tian Petterwood, I thought they actually may have been sort of more inhibitor to their success more than what they had. And I think, you know, if, the, if, you know, if Petter would assume that she's back, we haven't heard anything either way, but assume that for a second that she is back for Logan this year with Brittany Lasik in there, that may at least balance them out attack-wise and, you know, put more focus on the attack. So it may not be um, critical, but yeah, you're right. It is a concern losing that much um, that much experience as well. And also as well, losing Lawrence Brebra as well at the back. She was a... Um, she was of a calming influence in that defence, so trying to rebuild that defence um, will be will be a priority. I'm not sure what happens with Kelly Richards, where she's left and gone. She was she was the club captain. Maybe she may return once uh, Canberra United's commitments are finished in the W League. We'll wait and see. But yeah, but that would be a big loss if she didn't come back. I vaguely recall Cassandra Safina, the goal coach, and our goalkeeper was down in Canberra the year before James and did come back and play for Gold Coast so I wouldn't be too surprised if Keely Richards does return to play for Logan at some point in 2021 but that's seven starters you mentioned there from their side that's that's hard to overcome no matter I agree with Adam's point the front third didn't necessarily seem like it clicked really well all of the time but if you're losing seven players from your best 11 it's going to be very very difficult I'd agree with you about having Tian Petterwood now as the focus up front assuming that she's back I think we've seen in the past certainly can be right at the top of the MPLW goal-scoring chart. So I don't think goal-scoring will be the problem. I think it's going to be more at the other end of the field where they've lost a couple of really key players, and it might very well t- 
take a bit of time to rebuild that part of the field, but they've still got some experience through that side there, James, and even with the players they've lost. They've still got Christy New in midfield. They've still got a couple of other players as well. So, absolutely. You've got Katie McDonald in midfield, who was unbelievable last year as well. So, they've still got some players in that side with experience to guide them around. It's just not quite the the strong strong force that we saw last year. I will say one thing, and this that semi-final victory uh, really stands out in my mind, where, to be totally honest, like Logan found themselves having to... Uh, they were uh, easily the better team on the park that afternoon. And I do put that a lot of that down to the tactical work of Nick Croydon and just setting up that midfield. Obviously, Katie McDonald, for me, was... I think I said at the on the broadcast, she was the best player on the pitch by a country mile. And Christy New is obviously a very experienced centre-back as well. I think you're going to be seeing Logan probably early on this season winning a fair few games, 1-0, 2-0, 2-1, as they try and uh, get that attacking duo, trio, whatever you want to call it, to gel. But also you've got the likes of Luis Suero, who played mostly as a substitute on the back end of uh, that season. She's probably going to wind up stepping into one of those uh, starting lineup roles. And I do think that they are going to be more than happy to try and play out that sort of you know, scrappy underdog role. And I do trust Croydon, I suppose, to put in the tactics that will allow them to be in just about every match. Yeah, and look, like I said, we have sort of stated that, you know, yeah, losing seven starters will be, you know, a, a big obstacle come. But we also sort of, you know, they, they, I'm sure that they also will have players to fill fill that breach. So, yeah, look, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they go. I think the first sort of, you know, month, six weeks of season, I think it's going to tell a lot about sort of where Logan are at. But I don't know if they can they can match success of last season, but I still think that they'll be sort of yes. there and about. And I think they'll be, um, they'll be sort of, you know, at least in the top half. Yeah, they're going to slide a bit from where they were last year. It's just how far. I don't think it's going to be that far either, to Adam's point. They've still got some really good, experienced players there, but it'll be a bit of a step back from last year. Definitely. Okay, let's move on. Those are the four finals. Let's go to the side that was just on the outside looking in, despite being in the mix until, I think it was the final midweek round of the season, or final midweek catch-ups of the season. Eastern Suburbs, down at Heath Park. I haven't seen too much... uh, too much coming from that side just yet. I think the signings are starting to be announced on their social media yeah. accounts. Uh, the two players I want to talk on actually won't be a part of their team this season. Hakana Dixon and Tiffany Roberts. Very experienced players. Dixon obviously uh, led from the back there as just a massively influential yeah. uh, defender. And it is going to be interesting to see how they go about trying to replace a lot of those players. Yeah, and um, East are sort of, yeah, they're a bit sort of an unknown sort of quantity as far as, you know, their sort of recruitment activities. But, um, yeah, look, they, they've always, you know, for a number of seasons, they've put together, you know, a very consistent team. And, um, yeah, look, I still think that they're, they're, they they were in it for a long way um, last season. But, again, I, I'd be more interested, you know, once so we know who the squad is as far as you know, in its entirety about, you know, how far up the ladder that they, they can go. Um, but at this at this stage, I think that, you know, again, they, I don't know if uh, finals football, Shimmer's top four, will be sort of, you know, I think they might fall just short again. But look, we'll see. Uh, one play... I'm not sure. Sorry, go ahead, James. I was going to say, yeah, some of the signings that have actually just uh, come out, I'm just checking their Facebook page now. Uh, coming back, Zoe Lambie, Ashley Amadio, 
Uh, you've also got Katie Musket, uh, the much more pleasant yep. K Musket. And then <laughs> yes. uh, the big announcement that came out about two hours ago, Tessa Anderhar, the flying American winger. Oh, okay. So they are bringing back quite a few yep. of these good players once yep. again. So now you go, Scott. Yeah, you've also got Georgina Ramos they announced a little while ago, along with the goalkeeper, Holly Vanderzee. So they've... It seems like they've retained the majority of their squad, which is important. You mentioned a couple of players who've, who aren't returning, and that's a bit of a loss. They're going to have to find a way to fill those those spots. But I, don't, I think they've still got the majority of this side, and I think they, they were so close to making finals last year, and the, some of the football they played was fantastic to watch. I think they're going to be a team right there or thereabouts in that finals picture once again. I, mean, I know there's some new teams which you have to talk about, but the fact that they've retained the majority of their squad gives them great continuity, and I think in a league where there's going to be so much new newness around the place, I think, I think having that sort of continuity could be a really, really beneficial thing. Definitely. Yeah, just so, yeah, just on that news that yeah, Georgina Ramos and Tessa Enderhar are back. Yeah, I, I it's certainly you know they've sort of backed up the point that yeah, I, I think that they will be, um, they'll at least be in the um, in the fight. But yeah, I just think again, I think they maybe want to star players from being. Um, being finals football bound. But yeah, look, it's, it's a solid squad. All right. Uh, moving on now to The Gap. Stay tuned. By the way, we will have our predictions a little bit later on. Uh, the Gap. Mick Gallo in charge there. Obviously, at one point, The Gap were the side that you could just basically pencil into the grand final year in, year out. Uh, back this season, Maddie Lay, Heidi Palmer and Christina Amajui. And they've also opted to bring in quite a few promising young players from the FQQAS squad last year. Bree Wallace, Faith Stevenson, Georgia Beaumont, and Emily Roach, as well as the very experienced Sophie Person from Mitchelton. Uh, Georgia Beaumont is a player that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on as well, obviously with, well, at least one of the Friar sisters departing, and I would assume both of them. There's going to be a lot of pressure on her to lead the line. Absolutely. The Fry sisters have done an unbelievable job there at the Gap for the last couple of years. But obviously Laney's moved on to Moreton Bay and Shans with the W League and the Brisbane Raw now. So there's opportunities there. And look, Georgia Beaumont is an unbelievable young talent. And there's going to be an opportunity there for her in that front third at the Gap this year. And I think she's going to be a really, really important player to keep an eye on, James. And they've also added a couple of good players from the, from, the, from Mitchell, I beg your pardon. You mentioned Sophie Pearson, who we know is an unbelievable player on her day, can absolutely turn a game in an instant. You've also got Madison Moy, who's followed her over there to Walton Bridge Reserve from Taralba Park. So that's two really good additions as well. And I think they, last year that just seemed like it was a little bit off, didn't it? But they, We know that the gap had the talent to make the finals last year. They fell a bit short, and it seems like they've had a bit of a reset this year. And I think they're going to be finding themselves right back up in the mix there once again this year. The young players they brought in from the QAS side of were with some of their better players. And I imagine they'll walk in to this gap side and make that side better as well. So I think they're heading in the right direction. It looks like they're going to be really solid once again. And it's great to see the gap are going to be a, a contender. Or it looks like they'll be a contender given the emphasis that club has put on the women's football and development of, of girls as well. It's great to see them that they're going to be a threat once again. Yeah, I, I obviously I spoke to uh, Mick Gallo in our interviews, and look, he's, he's very um, confident. You know, as far as as you know, the, the sort of development of this team, it's got some good young players. You know, it, you know, like I said, uh, Georgia Beaumont. We, like I said, I think we're all in agreement. Is you know a sensational, you know, prospect, and I think she'll have a great season. I think with 
couple with the experience of Sophie Person, but I think uh, Maddie Moy will be the one. She she's coming off. She'll be uh, she'll missing miss the first couple of games, I think, due to injury. But once she's sort of fit, fully fit, I think that's where this side is going to click um, the gap. But I think guys are young players, but certainly you know the probably the pick of the prospects and um, and look and just the experience of um, of Miguel as well guiding that team as well. I think they they'll be certainly you know a threat in the uh, MPL. Definitely. All right. Uh, moving on to the side that I'll be honest, I've got probably the least amount of information on in part because just kind of by, you know, the way the fixturing worked out last year, I watched them the least. Uh, South United. Uh, I didn't actually get to see a whole lot of their games last season aside from when they were playing against a team that I was commentating on. Uh, Harriet Withers is a player who um, has departed there. Beyond that, Scott, I'm going to turn to you for help here. Oh, well, I was hoping you wouldn't because I also... Have, it's been They've been very oh. quiet, South United, so it makes it difficult to know exactly who's part of their MPLW squad for this season or not. So that makes it difficult. But if Harriet Withers comes back from Melbourne and his returns to the MPLW when that competition finishes, then they've certainly got one of the better attacking players in, in the competition without doubt having seen what she did last year in that competition. If not, I think they could be a team that might struggle because they, last year it seemed like... They could score a couple of goals, but they let them in as well. And I'm not too sure if they've improved or not, given at the time of we're recording here on the 3rd of March, it's been very quiet out of Wakeley Park. So we'll have to wait and see what they're like when the games kick off. But at the moment, it's hard to make a full assessment of them, given that we don't know what's really happened there. Well, that's kind of why I'm going to have to give my you know, analysis of... So thanks for throwing me under that bus, James, by the way. I appreciate I, it. Someone had to, and I flipped a coin in my head. Anyway, uh, yeah, with Souths, obviously... I feel like they were a better team than I kind of remembered from last year as well. Obviously, you know, finishing in seventh place, they did quite a good job. Seven wins, two draws, and 11 defeats. 41 goals scored and 41 conceded. So they they had something going for them there. And obviously, they put quite a scare into Gold Coast United as well. It's just, yeah, at the moment, with the information we've got available to us, I just I can't necessarily see how they're going to really improve on that. And I do feel like... The competition standard is probably going to be a little bit higher this year, and that could possibly wind up coming back to bite them, Adam. Yeah, look, um, yeah, you're right. Just, uh, yeah, there isn't just that information out there at the moment about them, so it's very under the radar sort of stuff. So we can only go what we see, assuming that they, they retain the majority of their players. Look, I think they're a mid-table team. Yep, fair enough. Well, that's all we can really say about Souths for the time being. However, I look forward to this time in about six, seven months or so, talking about South's NPL Women's Champions of 2021 (laughs) as I burned the audio of this podcast. (laughs) Okay, let's move on then. Mitchelton, I I had this side challenging uh, much higher up the table last season than they wound up doing, and I'm still not quite sure exactly where they went wrong. They had a few games where they just... I suppose, gave up too many easy chances to opposition strikers. But then they also had games where they look like, you know, they look like world beaters there from time to time. I remember I did a game that they had against Easts where, yeah, they, they came out and I don't think I've seen a team more motivated than they were that evening. And their goalkeeper, who has since, by the sounds of it, been replaced, Tierney Sunderland, had one of the best individual performances I've seen, Scott. Yeah, they certainly had their moments last year, Mitchell, and I, thought, I think we all kind of thought they'd be a bit better than they were this year. I think they might actually be a team that struggles, unfortunately, just given the players 
that they've lost. We just talked about Madison Moy and um, Sophie Pearson have gone to the gap. They've also lost Jamila Riley to Brisbane City and Kelsey Minton to East. So that's four pretty good players there that they've lost. And I'm not too sure that they've added in enough in terms of in terms of replacing those players to get themselves back towards the towards the finals or even in terms of the mid-table because they've brought some players in. A couple of players who've come in from the US college system, Rachel Fraser in particular, a defender slash midfielder, could be very interesting to see how, how she goes in the NPL this year. But it just seems like they're taking a bit of a step back, Mitchell, and it might be a bit of a struggle for them this year. Actually, of all, of all those players that uh, you mentioned, the one player I think they'll miss the most is um, Rebecca Horsey. Um, that Absolutely. that um, yeah, that she she marshaled the sort of midfield and defence. Uh, so yeah, I think those players that we just mentioned, um, that 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 is a that is a mountain to try and to um, to sort of yeah, to replace. But uh, yeah, on the positive side, Arabella Maynard as well. She's a Kiwi uh, junior international, I do believe. Uh, so she she may be. Um, I think she she'll obviously help, but uh, yeah, it may be it may be a tough year for Michelin as they look to rebuild. They've got a number of players that are graduating from um, from the Brisbane Women's Premier League, and also as well uh, a pair of players from the Tasmanian MPL. I think that's those are the sort of players that are going to make or break the season for Mitchelton. If I'm being honest, I'm not quite sure that they're really going to be the ones that are going that are going to step up and make a huge difference here and there. But, uh, but they'll probably be the ones that have to come in and play that secondary role and help guide them through the games that, you know, maybe a bit of a slog here and there. And, yeah, to be honest, like, I can see Mitchelton competing, you know, every three or four weeks and probably beat... They'll beat the teams that they're supposed to, but I'm not quite sure that they've really got it in them to uh, go that ne- go to that next level. Scott? They'll be that nuisance team, won't they, James? A team that take points off teams at the top that cost them opportunities but they're just not going to have enough about them to to push for finals or maybe even be on the bubble of on the bubble of this, um, the split in the competitions because there's some new teams coming in which have recruited quite well as well which makes it even more difficult for Mitchelson this year yep definitely and, and just and yeah uh, yeah just to back that back up yeah I just I was feeling sure about Arabella Maynard but yes she is a um, New Zealand under 17 women's representative played two games at the FIFA under 17's women's World Cup so I think obviously a player of huge pedigree yeah exactly and look if they can match some of their performances from last year they were in some of the most entertaining games as well they had a 5-3 early on and a couple of high-scoring affairs as well. So we'll have to wait and see. All right, uh, the FQQAS side, well, all we really know, well, all I really know for certain right now uh, is that they've had quite a few defenders uh, leave and graduate on to other clubs as well. Just looking at some of the, uh, looking at the Football Queensland website and their transfer centre there, they've actually got a few uh, players departing that we've missed. And yeah, it seems like it's going to be another year oh, it's going to be an interesting year where we find out about some of the young talent the only acquisition that I'm honestly aware of is Claire Polking who will be serving as an assistant coach Adam? Yeah Yeah look um, it is it looks like that yeah, the program sort of has turned over um, so they're graduates and a new sort of um, group is coming through so with them you just don't know you just don't know um, Scott and I talked about before we recorded that you know if if the if if they compete, this is going to be a golden 
group that's going to come through. But look, again, with, with these um, academy teams, it is more about performance than the actual results themselves. Um, it's about experience. But look, if they if even if they emulate what the QIS team of last season did, um, yeah, look, they'll, they'll be handy. They'll, they'll win you know, a number of their games and they'll be competitive. But without knowing who and without knowing too much about it, yeah, it's hard to sort of make predictions as far as, you know, perform about the results-wise or where sort of they'll finish up. Definitely. Yeah, that's a team that's been gutted, hasn't it, James, in terms of the fact Adam's right, they're probably at the end of their development cycle. Now they're going to bring through a younger batch of players and give them opportunity. And the girls who were in that side are going to, going to um, fan out into the MPL at large and become key players around there. We've talked about the players from the gap that they've the gap have recruited from there. Morton Bay have also recruited pretty extensively from the QAS. They've lost Kaya Stevens into Brisbane City as well. It's a it's a pretty much a start from from ground zero and work your way back up. But one player who I don't think has left was Alyssa Cox, who mm. another striker they had last year who was quite handy up front actually. So there might be a player to keep an eye on there, a young a young striker. So it'll be interesting to see again. It's about the development of these young girls and seeing how many internationals and future Brisbane Raw players you can you can you can get out of that group because that's what it's all about at this at that team, isn't it really? Definitely. Um I'm trying to remember if Alyssa Cox was the player that scored five goals in a She was. Match. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Uh two more teams of the carryovers to get to. Southwest Queensland Thunder. Uh as mentioned, they've brought in Lawrence Spreadborough. They have lost Abby Lloyd. That's pretty much the major uh, departures off the top of my head. Jacinta Perrin has also retired, but uh, Adam, we'll go back to you for the Thunder. Quick summation of what you're expecting. Yeah, look, I think Lawrence Brebber is obviously a big signing uh, for, for them. I think she, she'll she bring um, experience on that, but again, with, with these... Um, yeah, with the Thunder, I think it's going to be a struggle for them. Um, obviously, the travel does, as we talk about the men's side, which they seem to now start to to sort of, you know, normalise. Um, yeah, they've got to win their games at home and you've just got to perform away from home. But I think, yeah, there's probably still a uh, golfing talent from that Thunder side to sort of the rest of the league. So I think they're going to result-wise struggle. But look, um, as they showed last season, they're capable of causing a scare or two, um, you know, when, when they're playing at their best. So look, you never know. They beat Logan at home last year. I believe they got points off Capalabara as well. So they're certainly capable of getting a result at home. The addition of Lawrence Brebborough will help their defence immeasurably. Unfortunately, the loss of Abby Lloyd kind of cancels it out, though, in a way, James. They've improved the defence, but they've lost probably one of their most important attackers. I'm pretty sure Mel Lloyd might have also gone with her. Not sure about Elizabeth Rolfe, the other part of that front, third, which is so successful for them, but losing Abby Lloyd, is it's a massive loss yeah. in terms of their front third, and it offsets the good recruitment they did to get in Lawrence Brebborough. I think they're going to be a, a team to... What to fear up in Toowoomba in certain circumstances, but on the road, I think they're going to struggle. Fair enough. I'm looking forward to getting sent up there in the middle of June or something. <laughs> Take a jacket. Yeah, I will. Can you remember to do that next time? <laughs> Maybe. Yes, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, Scott joined me in the commentary booth for the FQPL season opener last February, and in true Toowoomba fashion, it was 18 degrees and raining sideways, and Scott was there in a T-shirt. I'm still recovering from that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was not a good time for you to have a cold late May, late uh, February, early. No, March. it wasn't. Was I did I did wonder for a second there. I've got to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, final carryover side, Morton Bay. Well, look, 
they went young last year and uh, yeah it was an ugly campaign for Morton Bay they lost plenty of games by double digits and uh, thankfully it seems like this year they are trying to refill replenish their playing stocks Jestelin and Laney Fryer have come on board I'm going to also assume not knowing anything that Sean Fryer will probably be uh, making a way up to Adam's neck of the woods with the uh, once the conclusion of the W League season they've also brought in Riley Ward and Samantha Bambling from The Gap uh, Scott yes I'm going to ask you the easiest question I think I have ever asked you Morton Bay better than last year uh, <laughs> that's a tough question no they will be better than they were last year it's the only way is up for Morton Bay it was a reset year for them in 2020 and it looks like they've done really well you mentioned the recruitment they have made They've also gone heavy on the QAS players. As I mentioned, Georgia Thompson, Lani McDougall for just two players out of that QAS side. I think they're going to be a much better proposition this year. How much better, that remains to be seen. I think they're going to be one of these teams who it wouldn't surprise you if they pushed up towards the top third of the table given the attacking firepower that they've got. But I think that comes down to the defence actually, Adam, in terms of can the defence hold out and be strong enough to make the goal scoring that they will no doubt have count this year because... I think they're going to score a lot more goals, but just can they keep them out? Yeah, look, I think I think the most pivotal signing may actually be uh, in the dugout and uh, David De Silva, um, who I had a chance to talk to during um, during our interviews. And um, look, I think that's a pivotal signing. He's a successful coach, if you may not know, um, two two thousand and eighteen uh, MPLW coach of. Uh, of uh, Brisbane Raw NTC, um, he he did start his career at uh, Morton Bay and has worked with a lot of these uh, these younger players, including the Fryer sisters. And um, look, it, it it he admittedly it's going to be it's still a young side, is as you said, and it's going to take some time. But look, they have brought in some experience. You know, De- Jess Dillon, you know, who has played W League, is going to be. Um, is going to be sort of you know, pivotal to that. Jemima had their, their co-captain as well, who went through a lot of the carnage last season. She's she's back. Who's um, you know, she's going to be key to that. But um, yeah, look, the, the young players that come through as well. Um, obviously Georgia Thompson and um, and a couple of the other QIS uh, graduates as well. They're going to be um, they're going to be sort of you know, quite good. So yeah, look, it definitely won't be as bad as last season how long it takes to get them into a position where they are competitive in terms of the top teams in the league. Look, it may be, it may be more than 12 months, but look, we'll see what happens. This feels like a team that is being built more with an eye on maybe 2023, 2024, rather than, you know, being a title contender straight away, turning around the nightmare season. All right, so those are the carryover teams from last season. Now we're going to go into the new kids on the block and start off with Brisbane City with the home of the best pizza oven in the NPL. And no, I have not been paid to say that. I've just eaten far too much of it on our visits to Spencer Park and corporate travel. There's a few clubs who would like to have a word with you after that statement, by the way. Uh, just, <laughs> just a pizza oven. Uh, yes, Brisbane City, uh, they've come in and, to be honest, they're the side that probably has made the biggest splash in the off-season of the new teams as well. Obviously, they've uh, recruited Hanno from Capalva and Jemima Moore has also followed... Uh, him over from the Bayside but just overall looking at the players that they've brought in Jamila Riley Lorena Maggio Natsumi Tanaka uh, and Talea Reynolds just to name a few this is a side that is going to compete from day one isn't it Scott? Oh this is they've certainly gone gone hard Brisbane they've been, they wanted to be in the competition last year in 2020 they're in it now 
and I think they're in it to be a serious competitor. And it certainly seems like this is a club that Ski Hannafin wanted to be at, given what he said when he got the job. It seems like it's a bit of a dream job for him at Brisbane City. So he's gone hard in the recruitment, and I think they're going to be a real factor. You mentioned some of the players they brought. They also got in Kai Stephenson, who was one of the best players from the QAS side. Emily Dunn from the from Logan in the grand final. Final Jamila Riley, who's played in grand finals with Lions before as well. I mean, they have gone hard, and I think they go. I think they have high expectations, and I think anything short of challenging for the top four at the very least will probably be considered a disappointment, given what Ski Hannafin has done in his coaching career. I think about two years ago, he took Morton Bay to the grand final, took took Kapalabar to the finals last year in the semi-finals, lost to Lions once again. I think they're going to be right up there. Uh, to me, the coaching hire is what is going to make this side because like we've all spoken to Hanno quite a few times uh, over the last few years with as part of our NPL coverage and he is not a coach that is impatient that is going to be patient uh, waiting for a side to develop he is there to win and I think yeah his uh, attitude will mesh really well with uh, Brisbane City side that probably does feel like it should be competing for titles in both men's and women's competitions yeah, the women are holding up the MPL flag uh, this year for, for Brisbane City. Um, but yeah, look, one thing you know about a uh, ski half and team is they're going to be, they, they want to be, you know, up there with the best. And that's his mandate. That he wants to be in top four. And look, I think he's got the players to be able to do it. It's just a matter of those players um, putting out on the field. And signs already are there that, you know, they are going to be, that they are going to be competitive. That, you know, they, they had a trial uh, friendly against Gold Coast United over the weekend where they went down 3-2. So that's that's a sign of where they're at as far as will they be competitive. Obviously, you can't draw too many form lines out of pre-season friendlies. But look, just on paper, this is a side that, you know, that should be competitive from, from day one. Yeah, the question isn't the talent. They've got the talent. It's just how quickly can they get that talent to mesh and become a team that can compete at the top level in the NPL. That's the question. Have they already achieved it in pre-season? Will it take them five games, ten games? Who knows? But however long it takes them, once they get there, they're going to be a real factor. The talent is there. It's just how quickly can they mesh? Definitely. Uh, yeah, so that's Brisbane City. Let's move on to the next team in the newbies alphabetically, which, assuming I can uh, actually read properly, is going to be Olympic as Scott just frantically does the alphabet in his head. No, uh, no I'm just turning the page of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Olympic, obviously, you know, we know their men's side is pretty damn good under Ben Kahn, and pretty sure that this uh, women's team is going to put the fear of God into quite a few teams as well. Just maybe not week in, week out, but they've certainly brought in players with, you know, recognised NPL experience, T. Karaluka, Julia Duffy, India Kuban, Grace Chalmers, Madalena Daniels, uh, just to name a few, as well as raiding the Ipswich City Bulls of the Brisbane Women's Premier League, who, from what I'm told, were, well, just dominated all comers last year. Yeah, uh, dominated them so much that uh, Ipswich City can't field a uh, Brisbane Women's Premier League team this year. So, so um, Olympic... You point out, that's because all their players have been snapped up by NPL. Pretty much, and, and uh, Archie Kahondo as well. Um, yeah. You can be punished so. for being too good. Yeah, um, so obviously that's a sign that, you know, obviously those players are in demand. Look, Olympic, another club that demands success and excellence uh, in team. And look, uh, I just... Look, I think that they're going to win their, win a fair share of games. 
I just don't know if they've got the players so far from what we can see that you know will be you know in that top four like City. I think they do lack a little bit of um, experience at that MPL level, but um, yeah, with these new teams, it's hard to sort of gauge and line up when the squad is bold is mainly made up of um, Brisbane Premier League women's players, and um, yeah, but I think they'll be competitive. But can they make the finals or even you know that um, make that top? The, the top um, split in MPL after round 17? That would be the question. Yeah, first it's great to see them back, James. I mean, they were in the competition up until 2016, then they've come back into it now this year. So I think it's great to see them back in the competition. But I just think that they're going to they're gonna be competitive. They've got players who've played in the MPL in the past, a lot of players who've played for Olympic in the past. So I think that they're going to be competitive. How competitive is the question? I think that the top four is probably a step beyond them this year, but it's that battle for the last three or four spots in before the split where I think they're going to find themselves. I think they've got enough to be in and, in and around that mix and with Danny Byrne as the head coach there, tremendous experienced player. They did quite well last year in the Football Brisbane competitions as a club as well, so I think that they're going to be, they're not going to be that far away. I think they'll be competitive. Yes, and apologies for the background noise there. My wife decided this was the perfect time to print something. Yeah, that what that noise was. Yeah, yeah, I had to get one of those uh, industrial strength printers to get my commentary notes out last year. So I was panicking for a moment there, wondering what was happening. Yes, and she's just come in now, in the middle of recording. So I'm sure that, uh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, that distraction will be quite well received. Okay, so that's Olympic, and now we are going to move over to Peninsula Powerhead, back up towards Adam's neck of the woods there. And we've only, I've only got two uh, names on their ins list so far, Tegan Van Vegschel and Ali Schaefer. The latter has been announced as their inaugural MPL women's captain. Well, not inaugural, but re-inaugural, whatever you want to call it. Something They're returning. Like <laughs> returning captain. There we go. Ali Schaefer. Uh, Penn Power, will they be competing for a title the way that their men's team is Adam? Uh, the 2017 MPL women's champions... Unfortunately, I don't think so. I think, um, yeah. I, You're out as the mayor. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it's, uh, again, a bit, bit like some of the other teams that we are talking about earlier. Um, unknown quantity as far as, as far as sort of, you know, other than, you know, Ali Schaefer, you know, Antique Van Getchel being that, you know, being their squad, you know, they're relying heavily on a lot of their players that played in the, uh, Brisbane Premier League last year. I just, yeah, I just can't see them. I, yeah, I can't see them really, you know, getting to the levels that we expect from Peninsula Power as a club. So I think they might, they may struggle. But you know what? I'm, you know, I, I am prepared to be corrected on that, especially with uh, more knowledge on their squad. Yeah, I think they'll build to something, James. I mean, this is what they do, Peninsula Power. They don't may not necessarily side out the strongest, but the way that that club works is they all work at it. And they will build up. Ali Schaefer is a great addition to that squad, and it's a pretty continu- It's a lot of continuity up there in that side. It is a team which has been pretty successful in the in cup football, in particular in the football Brisbane competitions the last couple of years. So I wouldn't write them off too much, but I don't think they're in the top echelon of teams this year. I'm not necessarily going to write them off, but I am going to say that they're going to be in for a real challenge this season. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that done let's move on sunshine coast wanderers we are trying to keep this relatively short for your benefit as much as ours uh sunshine coast wanderers uh, i'm going to sum this uh, club up fairly succinctly i feel like 
we're going to see just how good the local Sunshine Coast leagues are because that's pretty much where the Wanderers have uh, focused their recruitment on. Yeah, absolutely. And they've won the one big addition they have made is Samara Christmas has come in from Lions. So I think that's a massive addition for them in terms of up front. But you're right, it's a team built up largely of players out of the Gold Coast. Oh, the Sunshine Coast Premier League, I beg your pardon. A lot of players from Biwa in particular, James. So it'll be interesting to see how well how well that league stands up. It's great to have a Sunshine Coast presence back in the competition. We saw the Sunshine Coast fire in the competition for a few years, did pretty well. Now it's the Wanderers. Hopefully they can go quite well and and become a, a stable force up there and provide a good pathway for, for girls and women up there on the Sunshine Coast. But it's hard to know what to expect because haven't seen too much of the Sunshine Coast Women's Premier League, unfortunately. Adam? Yeah, I think I think Wanderers. I think they'll they'll struggle as far as results go. But look, um, again, yeah, important pathway. Same same sort of thoughts I have with um, Wanderers. I do with Thunder. That I I believe that you know we've got one or two experienced players that you know that will that will stand out. But uh, beyond that, I think yeah, it's going to be a rebuilding year for them. Um, again, it's important the pathways are there. As Scott said that you know for for locals, um, so Sunshine Coast women to play at the highest level. Um, but yeah, I think from a results point of view, yeah, I can't see them challenging too much. Yep, okay. Sunshine Coast Wanderers, now on to Western Pride, and this is another side that uh, I spoke to Trent Gregson this afternoon, the new coach there. We're not going to delve too deep into what happened there last year, but there is certainly a lot um, going for them this year. They've recruited quite, they've cast quite a wide uh, recruiting net, but three players stand out for me. And that is probably the leading uh, NPL trio that they've got of uh, April Gleeson, Megan Kelligan, Abby Lloyd, and also Justine Kruger. But, um, so not actually a trio, but a quadrant. I don't know. Scott, what is it? <laughs> I'm not sure what you're referring to, that, to be honest with you. I lost track of what you, were, what you were saying there. But this is a, this is a dark horse team as well. The recruitment that they've made out there is quite impressive. You mentioned Trent Gregson, a very good coach. They've got the players you mentioned. Abby Lloyd, we talked about earlier. What a big loss she is first. For the Thunder, well, it's a massive addition for the, for the Western Pride, no doubt about that. They've got April Gleason and Meg McGilligan out of Logan, which you mentioned, and I also think the goalkeeper they brought in, Bianca Warriner, is also a very, very good goalkeeper, formerly of Gold Coast City in the NPL Queens. I believe she's been playing on the Gold Coast in the in the Premier League down there for the last couple of years, but that's a, there's a lot of experience in that side, and they're a team which, okay, they're going to surprise a few. Yeah, 100%. Um... Yeah, I, and, you know, that they're going to have that attitude there of, you know, we're going to show everyone we belong here. So, Adam, quickly, what are you looking for uh, out of Western Pride? Yeah, look, um, plenty of goals, I think, uh, is, is on the cards with, with Mick McGalligat and um, Abby Lloyd there. So, um, it's just whether serve their younger players and, and also as well the um, sort of the influx of Gold Coast um, Premier League players. Oh, sorry, well, when I say Gold Coast players that were playing in the Brisbane Women's Premier League last season. Um, obviously, the uh, Trent Gregson sort of effect there. And, um, yeah, look, I, I think I think they'll be maybe mid-table. I think um, they may be a little bit outgunned as far as um, when it comes down to against some of the uh, top opposition. But I think they, they'll hold their own. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The final club. We have gotten through the entire competition once we talk about Virginia United and... Uh, yeah, I'm probably not going to be too welcome up at Virginia United when I say I'm not sure that they're going to really be anything other than 
you know, a warm up for some of the top sides here, and they're going to try and have to pick up their points from the sides that are going to finish around them on the table. Adam, is that fair? Um, yeah. Well, they they did finish above Peninsula Power last year, and um, in the uh, in the Brisbane Women's Premier League, so that might be one bit of form line. The, the, again, it depends on sort of you know the recruiting. We don't know too much about sort of their recruiting. Unfortunately, we don't. We probably didn't follow the Brisbane Women's Premier League as closely as we should. You know, knowing what we know now about you know to. The MPL season 2021, um, but yeah, look, I, I I can't see them, you know, being, you know, troubling the top teams. Um, but I think you know the teams around their stand, I think they can be competitive, but hard again, hard to line up the form as far as um, where they would sit in the whole sort of um, sort of scheme of things. Definitely. All right. So that's our team by team breakdown. We I would agree with that. By yeah. the way, James, there's not a lot you can say about Virginia. I haven't seen them play in. It's good to see them in the competition, but we're not too sure where they're at as a club. Pretty much, yeah. All right, that's going to be our team-by-team breakdown. Pretty much an hour of us talking non-stop. So we're going to give your ears a little bit of a break. Uh, We've had a chance to speak with some of the coaches and key figures of these NPL women's clubs. So we're going to take a little bit of a break from talking and hear from these interviews. We should say a big thanks, firstly, to Football Queensland for getting us in touch with said clubs and also the clubs themselves for making people available for these interviews. Obviously, as much as we love the sound of our own voices, it's always nice to hear from people who are actually involved in the action. We understand you don't necessarily agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just ask my wife. Okay, anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick uh, break here, and then we'll be back with our season predictions on the Brisbane Football Review. All right, we're joined now on the season preview by the coach of Gold Coast United, Alex Bundler. Alex, thanks for talking to us once again. Absolutely. Now, it's, was it very, very quick off scene? Did you manage to get some time off, or was it straight back into it? Um, well, obviously, I had the um, uh, extended season last year with quite a few of our girls making the All-Star team, which was a great concept by Football Queensland in the, um, and the um, State of Origin for New South Wales. So that went through right until the end of November, uh, you know, early, early December by the time we had a break. So uh, it wasn't a long break, um, but it was a... Um, Absolutely. And looking back on 2020, it was a really, really difficult year. Did you have to change much this pre-season in terms of just trying to manage the load, given it was such a such a long year for everyone? Yeah, yeah, we have to be careful, yeah. Um, uh, particularly, uh, you know, the senior women, our team, you know, you get to the end of the season, you make the semi, um, and then you're doing some extra work with the, as I said, with the uh, Queensland All-Stars. So the girls have had a very, very long season. Um, not a long, not a big break, um, and then obviously the competition hasn't been shifted. Uh, usually starts in March anyway, so uh, we've been very conscious of that and working um, carefully not to uh, overload the girls too early. Absolutely. When you look back on that 2020 season, it was a great one for Gold Coast United, the first trophy in the club's history in the um, MPL era, but not quite able to get it done in the finals. What are your thoughts when you look back on the season as a whole? Um, 
However, you know, taking all that into account, we, we stuck together as a group. We, we um, managed things well. We played well. And I don't think, in all honesty, that a season like that, it would be very difficult to repeat with, with all the things we had to deal with. So um, um, all in all, everyone at the club, including myself, was really, really happy with the outcome of last year. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to the grand final, uh, but you know, we would take the uh, championship trophy any day. Absolutely. When you do, is that now? Is that uh, a bit of burning desire then for this year? Something to come back and falling just short in the semi-final. Thing like we've got to go at least one better and get there this year as well as backing it up in the league. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I would say yes. And that was that was the case last year, and that's the case every year that I coach. Yeah, we, we want to try and do our best. We want to um, first and foremost try and um, you know play well. Absolutely, it was certainly a great, great day there on the grand final day last year. Looking to this year's squad, um, you've maintained most of the playing group from last year. How important is that in terms of continuity? I was going to ask you about Moma Hashi because for my money she's been one of the best players in the employee for the last couple of years so I'm glad that she's going to be coming back hopefully not too far away. Absolutely. The competition this year is a bit different to the last couple of years in which there's 17 teams in the competition this year. Have you had a chance to have a look at what the majority of those teams are going to look like? What do you think the standard will be like this year?
Absolutely. You've got the uh, Kappa Super Cup this year as well. How, um, how much importance are you putting on that competition this year, the first time we've had that in the football Queensland? Absolutely. And last question, Alex, you start the season away to um, Eastern Suburbs. What are your thoughts on that matchup? Absolutely, Alex. Don't take the time to talk to us and best of luck over the course of the season. No doubt we'll catch up at some point. And now we're joined by the brand new coach of the Palabar Bulldogs, Archie Cajondo, on the Brisbane Football Review. Archie, welcome aboard. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, uh, obviously you've joined the club from Ipswich City. How are you finding life on in the Bayside at the moment? Oh, I'm loving it. It's actually only 15 minutes from home. Where at Ipswich, I was travelling about 45 minutes. But so far, the club is great. The people are great. And yeah, just for a team of players that want to work hard, which is uh, which is perfect for us. Was that something that drew you to signing with Capalaba? Uh, not really. I think it, it, it came down to um, talking to Dan when I met him, um, when he said the job was available. I had a chat to him and figure out what they're trying to do with the club, where their aims are and the systems that they play, and it just aligned with the way that I that I conduct myself and the way I want to play. Um, it being so close to home is a bonus. I'm sure the missus is very happy <laughs> yeah, that she sees me more home more often. That, that is always a, a big bonus. Obviously, Capalaba, the last couple of seasons, they've been very competitive in the NPL competition. Uh, any pressure to perform this year? Oh, definitely the pressure is on. Um, I believe the squad that they had last year was a premiership uh, winning squad. Um, unlucky to not get the uh, to get what they deserve. Um, but obviously, with the signings we've, we've made so far, um, with a few uh, ex Matildas and a couple of uh, ex Brisbane War players, we definitely have that pressure to perform, which is a big pressure to have. But yeah, I suppose time will tell. The best we can do is prepare the best that we can and, yeah, hopefully perform on the on the big stage. Well, a couple of those new signings that really caught my eye, Brooke Spence and Alicia Foote, 
what do you feel like they're going to offer in 2021? I think just the experience, like the way that they conduct themselves in the field and the way that they encourage the other players around them, whether that's the young players helping out at the moment while we get the Brisbane Raw players or the existing players, um, they just bring that energy and, the, and experience. And obviously they're incredible football players. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to help us tactically, but also um, on the energy levels. Yeah, and obviously you've been able to retain quite a few of the key players like Billy Murphy, Steph Latham, and of course, Amy Chapman. Is it going to be helpful having that level of continuity with your more experienced players? Oh, definitely. And like you mentioned, like with that experience, they're very coachable. So that football IQ is there. So we definitely do understand each other, um, especially I'm coming in with a different way of playing uh, that some of them have never played before. So it's, it's good to have those... Uh, uh, good conversations and uh, discuss the way they play and they're buying in on the way we're playing as well. So, yeah, it's perfect. Well, that's good to hear. I, I do remember calling a screamer uh, Billy Murphy scored at Lions last season. So are you going to give her a shoot-on-site policy this year? <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's actually a bit of a running joke because uh, when we uh, do shooting and uh, training, I am known to be calling out uh, Billy Murphy Lions every time she's about to take a shot. So, <laughs> uh, we're definitely encouraging her to um, get in those positions where she can definitely take a shot because, yeah, by all accounts, she's an amazing player, our captain as well this year. So it'd be good to see her lead from the front uh, and uh, score goals where whenever we need them. Definitely. And obviously, you know, it is quite a talented squad. I feel one that is going to be quite competitive this season. But for those of us who might not be too familiar with your personal resume, what sort of uh, coaching style do you employ? Are you quite animated on the sideline? Are we going to have to... Uh, mute the microphones on the broadcast by any chance? Oh, I'm very animated, but I won't say swearing wise. I'm probably <laughs> or Jose Mourinho kind of run through every time we score. Like I'm very excited um, when we score. And like, look, I'm 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 a fan of football. So when I see something that excites me, I I will I will express that that uh, excitement. Um, but as far as coaching style, um, I work in developing the player. So. Um, I want the players to understand how we play, so that's developing their football IQ itself, um, and obviously uh, those principles of taking players one on one, first touch, uh, taking a shot. But yeah, all in all, I think I'm just like a every other coach out there, just very passionate about the game. Well, that's always encouraging to hear. Certainly, looking forward to getting out to Max Haynes Field this year. I just want to take a bit of a league wide. Uh, perspective quickly what are you looking forward to outside of Calabar in NPL 2021 well as in like looking at other teams yeah just league wide is there anything you've got your eye on oh look I think like everyone I think any coach would be lying if they say they're not going out to win trophies um for us we're definitely going out to try and win uh the trophy uh, all the trophies that are available. Um, I think we have the squad to do it. Um, it's just kind of down to performance. Um, and it would be good to see some of those new squads that have come into the uh, NPR and see how they go. Um, teams like all, all, like Olympic, uh, I reckon they'll be exciting to watch and play against. Uh, so, yeah, yeah it's, it's an exciting year to be uh, in the NPL football and obviously the Cup as well, which I think is a fantastic initiative by Football Queensland. Because now that's our FFA uh, for women. Hopefully, we'll see that go uh, uh, nationally as well uh, for women. So, yeah, that's perfect. 
Yeah, it's going to be a season to remember, I think. A whole lot of football coming our way and uh, hopefully a lot of stories to follow. So say, you know, we're talking again in September, October. What's going to be the story of Kapalabar's season? Oh, hopefully a successful one because, geez, um, I, I hate losing and I hate <laughs> to win, so I, I'm hoping that um, with the mindsets that the girls have uh, of the winning mentality and culture, hopefully we're in a position to be uh, able to be crowned as the champions for the NPL for 2021. Um, but everyone's got the same plan as well, so it's just making sure that we are geared and prepared to... Uh, to live up to that expectation that we've put on ourselves. Perfect. Well, certainly looking forward to seeing what Kapalba has to offer under your stewardship. Archie, thank you very much for your time. And, uh, yeah, best of luck for the season. Uh, thank you for having me. And, yeah, hopefully I'll see you out there on the on the pitch and please try and get my, my good side. Uh, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do what I can. I'm, I'm just the idiot with the microphone. I'll have to talk to the camera operator for that. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Excellent, thanks. We continue our MPL Women's Preview, and it's with great pleasure that I'm joined with the Gap Head Coach and Technical Director, Mick Gallo. Mick, thank you for your time this evening. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Adam. Um, the Gap Football Club's women's program is one of the most well-known and most successful in Queensland football in terms of producing elite women's footballs. Was this part of your decision to take up the role this season? Oh, look, when we moved up from Melbourne, it was... Um we sort of started sending the CV out uh, in the second week of hotel quarantine and uh, went a minute with a few clubs and it was just something just felt right um, at the gap. I mean, even not being from Queensland, you read a fair few things and you hear the, the history that the gap's got um, in developing female footballers and the history and that. So, look, it wasn't a hard decision to take on, on board either. Um, how has the uh, shorter pre-season been for you and the players? Obviously, you came out of um, quarantine out of uh, Melbourne, but obviously it's uh, been a shorter pre-season than we're accustomed to up here. Yeah, look, we're, we're sort of... We're, being from Melbourne, going through two lockdowns, you sort of roll with the punches. So you, you just take positives out of everything. And, I mean, look, the pre-season's not an issue. Um, as long as we've got at least six weeks, we can prepare the players um, to a high level. But... Look, we don't want them to be 100% when we start the season. We want to build into that. So, look, it's a fantastic group of footballers and it's been fun regardless of how long the, the pre-season is. Does the 17-team league format before splitting two divisions change the way you approach the preparation for the season? Oh, look, uh, yes and no, because we're implementing a, a playing style and that, that playing style is going to be um, across the entire club, the way we play football. Um, but, of course... Um, it's an exciting time. It's good for the players to also learn um, how to win games, how, how to hold leads, how to how to come back and, and, and get points. And for coaches, it's also a good way for us to develop even further rather than just, yeah, we can lose every game and still remain in the league. So it does change a little bit. A lot more analysis, I think, will go into it as well. Um, you've made, you've actually made some notable signs this season in attack um, with Maddie Moy, uh, Sophie Person, and uh, Georgia Beaumont. Can we expect more of an attacking style play from the gap this season? Oh, look, def- definitely. I'm a firm believer that we want to play an attractive brand of football that makes people want to come and watch and and support the club as well. So it's our job to put on a good show for football. Um, in saying that, I'm not a big one that likes to drop into a block. 
right? We want to play a high-intensity, high-pressure um, footballing game, but also an intelligent game as well. And we want to press high up the pitch um, and put teams under pressure. There's also been a number of signings from um, the, the Queensland Academy Sport Girls uh, program. Is continued continue development of these players just as important as results on the pitch? Oh, look, um, once again, we, the, the most important thing when I came into the club, because we've seen, a, look, at, there's been a big exodus of footballers and with so many licences, it, it is a strange environment we're in where everyone's competing for the same, the same signatures. So the first thing we wanted to do was lock in the exciting youngsters that have been in the gap for some time um, and then bring in some exciting youngsters in, in, into the squad as well. Um, so in doing so, we had four girls from the QAS. Uh, all four will also be part of the bridging program um, that will be overseen by two national team coaches. So we're 100% supportive of that because um, we, we do want to get results. We want to win things <clears throat> along the journey. But the number one priority is developing female footballers to play at the highest level. And if that's national team or that's um, state teams or, or whatever it is, or they go overseas, look, that's um, that's what we'll hang our hat on. We want to produce W League players that can hopefully play for the Matildas. Without giving too much away, um, are there any players to watch out for this season? <laughs> oh, look, it's an exciting group. It's probably one of the youngest groups in the competition. Um, so, I mean, look, Georgia Beaumont, she she still hasn't got close to hitting that potential, and when she does, there's going to be a lot of goals that will go in this season. Um, we've got exciting midfielders in um, Emily Roach as well, one of the young ones. Uh, look, we've got exciting players across all, all the lines um, on the pitch, so um, I'm not going to just uh, pencil in one or two players. I think it's going to be a really exciting growth year and the way you see these players develop and take their game to a new level. Uh, from your early observations, um, how does the uh, Queensland women's football competitions compare to your time in Victoria? Oh, look, I, I think it's exciting. I got to, in the lockdown, I got to watch a lot of football. <clears throat> um, I know a lot of footballers that have come up from Melbourne to play um, that I coached down in Melbourne. And I think, look, I think the level's very, very high. Um, I think Queensland are probably doing a lot of things better than down in Victoria in some instances. Um, but you know what? We're not going to get a real gauge until we can have that that national competition where we can pit uh, the best teams in each of the states against each other. And I mean, that's something exciting that we need in the women's game going forward. And uh, final question. Uh, who do you believe will be contending for the MPL women's uh, honours at the end of the season? Other than yourselves, of course. You've got your top two teams that... Uh, they are another level at this stage. It got close United and, and Lions, um, both quality teams. But look, I think it's going to be really exciting to, to see how it unfolds and how quickly teams can gel. Um, I've got a hell of a lot of faith in the girls that we've got, but also mindful that it is a young squad that consistency may waver at times. Um, but at our best, I think I think we can we can match it with most of those teams. But definitely. Lions and the Gold Coast are going to be the ones to watch. Um, and then moving down from there, I think, look, it's it's really open um, with the other teams that will compete, be competing for initially that top seven um, that remains in the MPLW after after the first half of the season. Anyway, thanks, Mick, Mick for your time this evening. I want to wish you, yourself and the Gap all the best for the upcoming season. Thanks very much, Adam. Appreciate it. <laughs>
Our MPL Women's Season Preview continues, and I'm joined by the head coach of Morton Bay United, David De Silva. David, thank you for your time this afternoon. Thanks, mate. It's great to be on board. Uh, how has the short off-season been for yourself and the players? Um, it's been really challenging, mate. Obviously, with the club not doing so well last year, it's been um, more about recruitment than anything. Um, and yeah, We're happy with the squad as it's building, and everyone's coming together really nicely. So... Probably starting in March is better for us than some of the other clubs, I guess. Yeah, it was it was a very tough year for um, the Morton Bay United women's program last season. Uh, when the club appointed you as coach for this season, what was your main priority in beginning the rebuild? Um, it, was, it was definitely meeting the board and um, making sure we aligned on our values, um, and that included you know women being treated as players, not not based on gender. So it was about challenging individuals and. That was a starting point. The board certainly saw the game the way I do, and it made it really easy to come on board. Our values aligned, and it allows us to integrate the girls into the boys' program so they can be challenged appropriately. And it's really exciting to see what's happening at the club this year, and I think um, we expect to build over the next few years as well. Um, you do have um, some younger players that are in the squad that have returned after going through what was a very tough season. Um, how are they sort of uh, coping? Um, yeah, look, we, we've measured their expectations around what they should expect this season. Um, it was really important that we were clear and transparent about um, where the program was heading and, and why we wanted them on board. The club's very big on their juniors going through to play for the seniors, and so am I. Um, I coached in Morton Bay when they first started and was at Albany Creek before Morton Bay existed. Um, and that's always been the philosophy out there, so it's certainly nurturing that and getting to understand that um, they've got to buy in for the long term and and they'll get their opportunities as their performances improve. Um, so more talking to generally about with the 2021 season, it presents a unique scenario in, in the NPL women's competition with 17 clubs participating before it splits into two divisions. Does this come to play in terms of not only how you prepare for the season, but the expectations throughout the season? Yeah, mate, it's a, it's a, it's a unique season, I think. Um, it's exciting, but a bit daunting as well. Um, it's certainly spread the talent as well so it's really difficult to pick who's going to be you know competitive and who's going to be struggling but I still think Lions and Gold Coast are up there but I think um, I think the main thing is that we've, we've set the priorities of the club and like I said earlier um, uh, aligning the vision and the values of the club um, means that we're defining success not by where we finish on the table but by other parameters as well, such as, you know, the number of juniors who get promoted into the senior part of the club. Hopefully some of our players can push on to W League or hopefully beyond that. Um, hopefully some of them are in the young Matildas, junior Matildas as well. So we've got different success criteria to put potentially some of the other clubs. Um, and we're really comfortable with that, mate. We've got a long-term plan for the club and, yeah, we're really confident that it's going to come together nicely over the next couple of years. You, you personally have had success as a head coach in this league, notably guiding um, Brisbane Raw NTC to win the 2018 Grand Final, as well as assistant coach um, for the Brisbane Raw W League. Is it fair to say uh, that this appointment is a really different charm, especially with you coming back to the club? Yeah, look, it's a new challenge. Um, new, um, it was great to bring some of the players who were with us during that period to the club to bring that experience. Um, I said that experience are all still 20, so... Um, it's still a very young group, but it's a different challenge, mate. Different set of circumstances. Um, 
was a pleasure to work with Mel Andriata within the W League setup and, and Gareth and everyone else around. Um, we all challenge each other a lot, learned a lot from the experience, and hopefully we can transfer some of that knowledge into this setting. And I'm confident we will, and the players are responding well to the season so far and the pre-season we've had. So I'm really confident that we'll meet the success criteria that we've made, um, irrespective of where we finish on the table. The club has recruited very strongly this season with uh, Lani Fryer and Jess Dillon signed for the season. What do you expect from those, uh, from both those players who are very vast experience at this level? Yeah, look, Jess, Jess is um, a great leader, very comfortable on the ball. It just really settles the team to have someone with her experience and skills on the park. And Laney has, has come back because she's got aspirations of going beyond MPL and I want to facilitate that, so hopefully she's there with us next year playing for the Raw. Um, Lainey's an exciting person. Um, I love working with the Twins. Um, they're beautiful people, um, and they're extremely talented. If we can just um, get their bodies right and get them fit and healthy, um, they can, I, I, I still believe that they're, they're outsiders for the 23 World Cup, mate, the way they can perform. Um, Scott also has a number of young players that have been Morton Bay juniors for a number of seasons. Are there any that we should watch out for in the coming season? Oh, yeah, I think the returning ones, mate, are the main ones. Um, like you said, Laney, they were already at Morton Bay years ago before I brought them into NPC. So they're exciting. In the young group, I think Carly Anderson's um, a potential player to get some time over the season. Uh, Stella Whitford's been quite impressive in pre-season. A lot of them will just get a taste this year, mate, but I think over the years ahead... Um, They'll certainly be regulars in the first team. And our under-16s group's very strong as well. And we're excited to be integrating some of them into the 23s this year. And I think they've got promising futures of the club. And hopefully, again, they can progress beyond Morton Bay. Um, final question. Uh, the upcoming season is uh, shaping to be uh, you know, unpredictable with new and returning clubs. Um, you mentioned it before, but in your opinion, who do you think will be some of the other clubs that will be in contention at the business, business end of the season? You mentioned Lions and Gold Coast United. Yeah, definitely. They're just getting out. So we've, we've, I've seen Gold Coast play and we've played Lions very early on, which um, was a good reality check for our group and where we currently sit. I think the rest is, are very close. Um, it's really hard to know. To be, I don't know most of the squads. I know a couple of players within the squads, but I don't know enough about most clubs and their rosters to really comment where everyone will be. I think it's going to be very tight apart from those two. I think everyone else, it'll be a... <laughs> A surprise each week. There'll be a draw that won't be expected. There'll be a win that won't be expected. And there'll be a club that you'd expect to win who probably will give up a three points at some point. I think uh, that's what makes it exciting. And I just hope that all the clubs can continue to uh, invest in the league and we can make the league stronger in the years ahead. I think um, based on XUIS again, that could be a dark horse mm. mate as well. Yeah, look, uh, if anything it goes like last season, they're, they're, I'm sure there'll be surprises. Um, anyway, David, thank you for your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Not only as, as part of the uh, fo- local football meet, but as a supporter of Morton Bay United, I wish I wish you and the team all the very best of luck in the upcoming season. Thanks, mate. It's great, great to be on, on the program. I really appreciate your time. Yep. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to talk quickly to Western Pride head coach Trent Gregson. Trent, welcome on board the Brisbane Football Review season preview. All right, so last spoke to you in October uh, when you'd just uh, been announced as the Pride NPL Women's Head Coach. How's uh, preparations for the season going? Um, what a sleepless night. <laughs> uh, it was, it was uh, 
changing. Um, and obviously, you know, we had to recruit a new team. Um, you know, with, with the help of some really good people around me, we've been able to do that. Um, I think we've got a, a really exciting, exciting squad with some, uh, some, you know, some real key figures in there and some, some players that people uh, probably don't know but will know once uh, we sort of get the season come right. Yeah, obviously, you would have had to have. Uh, I suppose you would have almost had the luxury of casting a fairly wide net, building a team from scratch as well. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, a, lot, a lot of people have said, you know, it was, it was, it was obviously hard. You know, it was obviously hard for the scratch, but it also gave us the ability to, you know, look at the right people. Um, it, you know, we, we focused on yeah, quality, quality, quality. We wanted people who were good people, and we wanted people that you know understood what we had. Well, you've recruited three fairly big name players with plenty of NPL experience: uh, Abby Lloyd, April Gleason, and Meg McGilligan. Uh yeah. I suppose you're counting on them to lead the charge this season. Yes, exactly. So uh, Meg McGilligan is our club captain, um, and it was you know, it was very clear. Definitely. Uh, you mentioned earlier there are some players that we might be learning about as the season goes along. You've recruited a trio of players from Coomera with Webb Brimlow and Warren. What What are we looking for out of those players? Um, you'll, you'll, know, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll hear Webby before you see her. <laughs> uh, she, she is high energy and um, she's just brings such a good element to the squad like that. You know? She lifts everyone, gets everyone excited, gets everyone keen. Whether it's in the change room or you know out at a team dinner, she's the kind of person you want around. Uh, those those others, like, you know, some Lauren, Lisa, B, Lee, Sam, George, those players who you know, have have you know done uh, have come over from Boomer uh, are all there for the right reason. They they know the challenges and they've also come across because they are they're great people. Um, you know, and they're going to bring that club culture we're trying to build where you know, it's about how important has it been getting the right kind of support from the higher ups at Pride and how much freedom have they given you to operate building this team? Uh, to be honest, mate, they've been amazing. So um, I was, you know, I, I talked to Pride every day and um, I always had, wherever I call past the phone's always picked up straight away. Um, they've given me everything I need to, uh, to be able to do what I do. They've uh, given me the freedom to operate that that women's program uh, the way I want it to try and help build what I'm trying to plan. Uh, I, I couldn't have asked for a better better support network than I've got right. Certainly. And uh, you're looking forward to starting the season off at home out of Briggs Road? No, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to, to have uh, women's football back at Briggs Road after you know, the, whatever happened last season happened. Sort of thing. So just have it back there and have everyone excited, have the pit there, bouncing and you know, playing their drums and getting loud and I honestly can't wait for it. 
it certainly is one of the most unique venues I think I've uh, had the chance to see a game at, and it's certainly going to be one that I'm looking forward to getting out to this year. Taking a bit more of a league-wide approach, outside of Western Pride, what are you looking for in NPL season 2021? Yeah, definitely. I think trying to pick who's going to wind up landing that in that top eight is going to be a real challenge. And it's a good thing that you're, I'm not a, pretending to be a pundit or something who has to try and offer a prediction. Yeah. <laughs> it's going it's to be quite wide open this year, but you know what that means. All, all the unpredictability you can get in football is quite good. Final question to get you out of here. What's going to be the story of Western Pride season? Perfect. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing Pride in action uh, round one, March 13th at Briggs Road. Trent, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again as the season goes along. Thank you. All right, we are back for the final part of our NPL Women's Season Preview here on the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks once again to everyone who participated in those interviews. It was a good bit of fun and nice to get to speak with some of these uh, people before their season commences. So. Look forward to catching up with them over the course of the season as well, no doubt. Yes, definitely getting to see them in person. I will once again suggest to all listeners, if you don't already, get out to all the local grounds as well as consuming the matches on NPL TV because a lot of these grounds are just a lot of fun to go out to as well. So uh, certainly something to keep an eye on as the year goes along. Some of these grounds you may actually want to get to before the weather turns around Easter and <laughs> learn from Scott wear a jacket thank you okay even in summer yes it, it, yeah some of those grounds especially in summer anyway uh, we're going to get through uh, actually I'm going to change things up a little bit and go what storylines are we most looking forward to following this season so Adam there's a bus with your name on it What do you, pick one storyline you're, you're most looking forward to seeing this season uh, that the current the current sort of order of things as far as the top teams will will continue to dominate the league. Scott, what storyline are you looking? For? I'm looking forward to seeing how the new teams go in the return teams like Brisbane City, Peninsula Power, Olympic, and Western Pride. Those four in particular, I'm intrigued to see how those teams go. I think they're going to be reasonably competitive. I think they'll find themselves at the very least in that mid-table type of mix. So I'm intrigued to see how that that dynamic plays out of what they can add and where they fit into the current dynamic. Yep. Uh, for me, it's going to be basically the blanket that I feel you can throw over about 10 teams in that mid-table battle uh, when the competition does eventually split in early July. I think it is doing my 
schedule maths. So, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. All right, let's get our predictions up and running. I will go first, just uh, to give you two a little bit more time to think about. I'm going to go from the bottom up. In 17th place, I have Souths, but that is in large part just because I have no clue how they're going to look this season. 16th place, Virginia. 15th place, Sunshine Coast Wanderers. 14th place, QAS Rebuilding Project. I, unless they can throw out Claire Polkinghorne to play, I don't necessarily see them being... Uh... They'd be top four if Claire was playing for them. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they probably would. Uh, 13th place, Penn Power. 12th place, Olympic. 11th, uh, Southwest Queensland. 10th, Moreton Bay. So, technically only a spot or two above where they were last year, but a massive improvement, no less. Mitchelton, I have bang in the middle of the table. 8th place, Gap. 7th place, Logan. I think they're going to be a very competitive team, but I just don't see them, as their squad is currently constructed on the 3rd of March, having that firepower to get themselves over the line. 6th place, I've got Western Pride. I'm, I'm liking what I've heard from this that team out there, and I do think they're going to really come out with a bit of a fire in their belly. Fifth place, just like last year, Easts. Fourth place, Brisbane City. I'm a Hanno believer, and I, well, honestly think the players there are quite good as well. Uh, third place, just like last year, Capalabar. Second place, Gold Coast United. And Lions will be premiers with Shea Connors winning the Golden Boot Award. Now... Uh, who wants to tell me that I'm the most wrong? I'm going to go with Adam. Give us your predictions. Alrighty. My, so my predictions for the NPL Women's 2021 season. I've got Virginia in 17th place. In 16th, I have QAS. 15th, uh, Sunshine Coast Wanderers. 14th, Peninsula Power. Uh, 13th, Mitchelton. Uh, Southwest Queensland in 12th. South 11, Olympic in 10th. And Western Pride 9th. And then my top eight, Morton Bay United in eighth. I think they will. I think they will find a Stop way canvassing to canvassing for votes. Oh, you look after <laughs> constituents. <laughs> no, but look, I, I think they will be much much improved of that. But again, it'll be very very close race to see who gets there in that split. Uh, Logan in seventh, Eastern sixth, the Gap fifth, uh, and then Brisbane City in fourth, and then Capalabar third. Gold Coast United in second and Lions to be the Premiers. But again, I think uh, Lions and Gold Coast United, I think they're going to be the two dominant teams. And as I said uh, before the uh, interviews, I think that they will be the two teams. It'll come down to their home and away and who gets the um, who gets the better results head-to-head. Fair enough. Scott? Yes. Your prediction. Oh, my prediction. Yeah, I was just thinking mine are not too dissimilar to Adams, actually, funnily enough. Um, 17th, I have Virginia as well. I'm just not sure where they're at as a team. Hopefully they go well, but I can't give too much of an opinion on them because I haven't seen anything of them. QAS, 16th in a rebuild year for them as well. Uh, Sunshine Coast, 15th. Southwest Queensland Thunder, 14th. I think, that, again, the loss of Abby Lloyd is going to be massive for them in terms of the amount of goals they're going to score. 13th, Mitchelton. I think they're going to slide backwards a bit, as I mentioned in the mentioned earlier, South 12th, Peninsula Power in 11th, I just don't think they're quite good enough to to finish in the top half of the split, Olympic in 10th, and Western Pride in 9th, I think Western Pride are going to be that unlucky team who are just going to fall, if it is split 8 in the top and 9 in the bottom, I think they're going to be that unlucky team that just slides down into that second tier, Morton Bay in 8th, I think their goal scoring prowess will actually be what gets them into that top 8 there, I think hopefully that gets me some 
some brownie points with the mayor of Moreton Bay. But I got Logan in seventh as well. Again, I think they they will they still got the experience to be able to, to finish in the top half of the table. Brisbane City in sixth. I think they're going to. I think it's going to take them a couple of weeks. I think because it's going to be that tight for these spots and around that top four, I think that's what might cost them in the end. Ultimately, Eastern Suburbs are in fifth, Gap fourth, Capalabar third, Gold Coast second, and Lions are on top of the table for me. They just they just got the best squad. I don't know how you could pick anybody else. So, two things stand out for me there. We all had the exact same top three without a whole lot of consultation. Um, and I thought I was being really harsh putting Logan all the way down in seventh, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that is just waiting to see how their retooling goes this year. I'm not going to call it a rebuild because they've still retained quite a few key players, but... I think retooling is the phrase I'm going to stick with for Logan in the early part of this season. Okay, I think that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review NPL Women's Season Preview. So, first of all, thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. So, looking forward to another great season. The NPL Women's coming up yep. in a couple of weeks' time. Definitely. Get out, support all the clubs. Big thanks to said clubs and for Football Queensland for their help getting those interviews up and running. And make sure you check out our regular podcast plus our NPL Men's Season Preview two-part marathon special as well. Check out all the games on NPL TV. Get out to some of the games in person as well. We'll be back and be with you throughout this entire season on the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you later.